right, welcome back everybody to the Deposit That Podcast. It's season two, episode four already. Um, before we get into our guest, we gotta play her intro song. I hope <laughs> I hope she likes it. I love that. Right? Yes. So you said you wore pearls today. Tell everyone yes. why you were wearing pearls. Well, it is in honor of the first female vice president. Uh, so women across the country are wearing pearls and Chuck's Converse, uh, and the pearls are in meaning of her sorority. So congratulations to our first female vice president. I think that's amazing for all women of all races, all colors, in general, and worldwide. It's important. I think it's a step in the right direction. Obviously, sure. we still have so much more work to do, but like these little wins, I call them. It's a big win, but it's a little win in general in the scheme of where you know, women and minorities and people want to go, yeah. you know? Um, so I have a friend that plays in the NFL. He plays for the Colts. He just got picked to the All-Pro team. And I told him, I said, I got this this, this, this girl coming in. I think she's your type, you know? So yeah. I'm, I'm going to have to set up like a blind date for you guys. So he tuned in. He said, I'm tuning in. Yo. So uh, that's so funny. I'll, I'll plug you in my NFL plug in a little bit. So let's get right into who you are. Tell everyone who you are, what you do, what you specialize in. Tell everyone your story. Um, so I am from Jersey City. But I was not raised in Jersey City. So I'm um, immigrant parents, you know, off the boat from Colombia. And I lived there till I was eight, and I grew up in Puerto Rico. And then I moved back to Jersey. I went to the military for a while, and then I came back to Jersey City. I thought you were in the military. Yeah, that's it. Seems like a lifetime ago. But (laughs) did that, and then I came back to Jersey City, and I've been there since. And... um, I love Jersey City. I never wanted to leave because of its proximity to New York City, really. And I got so much more space, and I had a backyard, and I had parking, and I got all that for a fraction of the price. And I worked in Manhattan mostly, and I would commute. But then things started to change, and I was doing real estate in New York City, and uh, this was the time where a lot of foreign money was just coming in, right after 2008, after all the real estate sure. crash. EB-5 money and all that. Sure. By 2012, you know, the world realized how resilient yeah. New York was, yeah. and it became super expensive. So the locals, locals meaning, you know, local New York, Brooklyn investors, Queens, were priced out or didn't want to come into the market at so low cap rates. It just didn't make sense. Mm-hmm. And so Jersey City became the golden child. Right across the river. Right across the river. And that brings me to what I do today. The first deal I ever did in New Jersey was in 2012. And I wasn't even licensed in Jersey. I had to refer it to someone else at my bank at the time. was a Wall Street banker that I previously did his mortgage in Midtown Manhattan. And Goldman Sachs or... Chase, Credit Suisse. I think Credit Suisse was one of the first companies to move from Manhattan into Jersey City. So he's like, well, I'm just going to move to Jersey City. So sure. that's what he did. And like he was like that trendsetter. He bought at Gulls Cove, actually, believe it or not, okay. in Jersey City. And they put up Gulls Cove too and everything else. Oh, wow. So it's interesting how, are you still seeing that flow today of New Yorkers still coming over to Jersey? Um well, yeah, definitely after, you know, the pandemic thing, we all see how New York, how quiet it is, but Jersey City has not slowed down. Um, even the rental buildings, you would have thought that they yep. went down in vacancy. They really haven't. Prices have, you know, softened somewhat, sure. but not sure. even close to what New York. I, I think it's actually made our market even stronger. I agree. And again, I think people, like anything, you know, people didn't want to go to Jersey, right? They, oh, Jersey, I don't like mm. Jersey, stupid Jersey, bridge and tunnels, <laughs> right? I heard that because I was in the Bronx, you yeah. know, people are like, Jersey, 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 Jersey. No, no, no. They'd rather go to Connecticut. 
But now it's like, wait, Jersey's so yeah. close, you get so much bang for your buck, and the views of New York City make it that much better to move to New Jersey. Sure. And we're open. Restaurants are open. They're somewhat, you know, there there is socializing, sure. obviously safely, but sure. people from New York are coming to New Jersey to be able to have a meal indoors, to be able to have a drink with friends. You know, it's cold outside. <laughs> I was talking to a restaurant in Hoboken. They said the exact thing. They said, you know, Hoboken residents in general haven't been out that much, mm-hmm. but they've been double replaced by New Yorkers taking yeah. the path in or the ferry over in order to just have dinner and dessert. Absolutely. So it's actually cool. Like seeing, like I love standing back at the top and watching all the trends move, right? It's like watching ants like leave their ant farm, like where they go. And it's curious. It makes me curious to see what happens next, right? Because... Look, most people that make knee-jerk moves, as you know, mm-hmm. whether you break up somebody, you get together with somebody, like if it's a knee-jerk reaction, probably not going to end well. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of people in COVID happened. They said, you know what? Let me give up my lease. Let me move back in my parents or let me move in with my aunt, uncle, whatever. Sure. Let me move in with two or three friends I think I know. Mm-hmm. Now we're coming up to that you know, one-year boiling point of like, okay, now it's time to like get back out on my own. You know, I think people are going to start seeing that. So I'm curious to see if they flock more towards that Hoboken, Hudson County, Jersey City market, or if they look to rent maybe a home in a cheaper price point, what do you think happens? I mean, it really depends on individuals, right? Mm -hmm. Obviously, married couples are going to want more space, backyard, parking. And and even I saw my friends that were living together as a couple, they decided to get married. They have moved out to the suburbs now. They've gone to Montclair. They've gone to Clifton. So I think the people that were in Hoboken, Jersey City, that were maybe there for a while have moved on to the suburbs, mm-hmm. and then we're seeing the single New Yorkers hitting Jersey City. So it's it's you know depends on what phase in life you're in. Now I think one of the most important things about you, like you said about earlier, is both your parents were straight off the boat, yeah. right? So what cultures and values did they instill in you at an early age that have allowed you to progress in your career and become the woman that you are today? Oh sure. Well, one of the funny things is my parents uh, own a couple multifamilies in Jersey City, you know, when they've had them for, oh my God, so many years. And when we lived in Puerto Rico, there was a time that neither of them were working. They were just, you know, living, raising a family. My dad loved horses. That was his thing. My mom was, you know, homemaker. And they lived off the rents. They just lived off the rents because the houses were paid off. Uh, they were very good at saving. And... That grew on me. I didn't really understand what the value of real estate was as a child, but as you get older, you're like, wait a minute, that's his, that's his. this has allowed my parents to live a life that is very free mm-hmm. of their time, and you know, time is the most valuable asset. So I think that to me was such a big deal, knowing that real estate was going to be such an important part of my life. And then they're all, and I mean, that's on the on the real estate side, and on the on the personal side. They're such great people, just caring and humble and just, they treat everyone the same. So I think that's that's very important, especially in these times sure. where people are going through such a hard time and you don't know where people are. And we all became a community. We all became a big community. So keeping that human aspect of it, I, that definitely comes from home. Now, as you know, I deal with a lot of realtors. I've always dealt with realtors and I pick out the good apples from the bad apples. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I see a nice shiny red apple, right? <laughs> like the red lipstick. And then you bite the apple and it's like, oh, this is rotted on the inside, but you couldn't tell on the outside, right? Now, knowing you for, I think, four years now, maybe mm-hmm. going on five years, right? Believe it or not, time flies, is you're always a pleasure to deal with. You're always a pleasure to see. You're always a pleasure to speak to. You're never nasty. You're always able to kind of like take that deep breath, regroup, right? And 
like let's get the job done like let's work as a team did you always operate in real estate that way or what gave you that advancement and bring that level of professionalism while still maintaining respect and smiling and bringing that all together I've always smiled. That's my <laughs> that's my that's signature. <laughs> yes, I can't help that. Yeah. Um, I I always say that my sales uh, beginning came from bartending, so that's where my people of uh, smart came from. You know, you could feel off people's energy, and when you're bartending, you're a psychologist. You're just listening to everyone's life, and your life your job is to make people's uh, time there easy, mm-hmm. fun you know, easygoing. Sure. Um, so I think that gave me a, an advantage of, of learning to deal with people. Um, and I, I don't know. I mean, there's so many nasty people out there. I don't want to be so one many. of them. That's I don't so want to be someone that's upset. There's no reason to hold on to it. Most people, when you're doing business with them, especially in a real estate transaction, they're holding on to something, if they're on the sales side, that's very dear to them. And they, more than likely, don't trust you sure. <laughs> because they don't think you have your best interest in mind. And then if you're representing the buyer, if the buyer's not being honest, you know, there's so many things that can go wrong with the transaction. So if you're not there to keep the peace, it's not going to work out. And then no one's going to want to work with you again. What's the point? So I, I try to keep it as neutral as possible and to put myself in their positions. And you don't know what's going on in their household, sure. you know, personal life. And, you know, we're all human. It's trying to kind of balance that human aspect of it. For all the women out there that are listening, tell them how you maintain and demand your level of respect but still are able to form a lasting relationship. Because I mean, as we know in real estate, like someone's scrolling through and they see a very pretty woman realtor, sure. hey, I want you to represent me, I want sure. you to sell my property, and maybe they really don't, or maybe they do, who knows, right? Yeah. Maybe they have like an ulterior motive. How do you conduct business that way where demanding that level of respect? That's an important thing in today's world. That is difficult to figure out when you're first starting. Like I said, I started sales very young. And then I went to do, uh, I did men's clothing for a long time. So I've always been surrounded by men in a very strange way, military, and then men's clothing. And um, it's, it's experience, 100%. But you also have to have like certain boundaries without being too harsh because you're a lady, you still want to come off as a lady. And if you're too harsh, then people are not going to relate to you. Right. Uh, but you also have to have boundaries. You know, sometimes you can laugh things off and say, ha ha, yeah, not funny, yeah, yeah. you know, but do it in a ladylike way. And I, that for me has worked. I'm not saying sure. that's for everyone. But if I feel like someone said something inappropriate, because they, you know, it just happens. Um, just kind of like, Okay, I that's... I see your boxing now. I see yeah, kick some ass, right? kicking butt. Yeah, is that yeah. for those people that cross that line? Or what is that no, for? <laughs> no, that's, that's just because I love it. Gotcha. But it's it, like hitting things. Yeah, I love hitting things, All but right. in the gym. Gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> but there, there is a... There's something beautiful that I think women have sometimes forget about that our gift is that we are women, that we're not men, that we don't have to be men, that Absolutely. we can still be respected and come across professional without having to be harsh and like mean or you know not pleasant to be around and on the contrary i think people will keep on coming back when you are a nice person period I, and i always said this early on in life when i went to the professional world probably like 24 25 years old in that range like women have the utmost power and advantage if they realize that sure. right so i think 
in real estate and business in general, some women feel maybe insecure or inferior because of preconceived notions, whatever it may be, being in a male-dominated industry sure. world, unfortunately, that they try and overcompensate for what they lack, right? And that's where they come out as like, wait, yeah, does this really like jive with what we're doing here, you know? And I feel like there's a lot of women groups out there that are like, oh, women for women, women for women, women for women. I'm like, I'm me for everybody, you know? Like if you're <laughs> cool, if you're a good person, like if I want to like vibe with you, like I'm going to give you business. But sure. when you hold these exclusive women on women cults, you, you eliminate me from helping you, you know? So what do you think about that? Like what do you think about like all these like women empowerment groups that eliminate men from attending or joining or supporting? Being a I, okay, being, be, a, lady be, like being a lady, I'm all for girl power. So if I can help any of I was, my females, the Spice Girls are great. <laughs> but obviously, if there is a man that's doing the, a job better and he's more honest and he's better at his job, then you have to consider: Are you really just doing this because it's a sure. woman? However, I am all for helping each other out as women because it is a man's world out there. And I was just having this conversation with a colleague because she's in sales as well. And we're hunters. We're on that phone. Like, we're cold calling people. They don't know who we are. Yeah, like, awesome. we're trying to convince them that we can do right by them. Sure. Who are you? Sure. And when we get on the phone, the people that are nastiest are the women. When I am call, cold calling people, the women are the ones that get offended. How did you get my number? Wow. We'll lose the number. It's not The men will just talk to you. And that's very interesting to me because you, you would think that, oh, okay, well, how can you help me? Maybe sure. not by now, right now, but maybe in the future. But it's actually the opposite. Do you feel like maybe because they don't feel as if they are prepared to have a business money talk discussion or they just feel like now you're a threat because you're a woman calling them? No, I don't. This is, I honestly don't know. You know, maybe one time I should ask. You should explore. You know, that, did yeah. I offend you? Absolutely. I apologize. Why are you? Why should do I, I ask feel? Your yeah, no, I don't think that's gonna work. <laughs> that's good. That's, I wouldn't suggest Hang that up. one. Yeah. You know, but I, you know, I should ask. Why? Why? I feel like you're maybe not happy that I'm calling. Did I offend you? What's bothering you? And find out why, because it's happened repeatedly, and it's always the women. Interesting. Yeah. Um, but back to your question, the the, the women for women. I think. We are at a standpoint now where women are being integrated, at least here in the U.S., into a lot of things. And it's making such a big change, especially because the dynamics become so much more, I guess, neutral, nicer, for lack of better terms here. You know, when we get into a very male-dominated field, guys talk different to each other. They're harsher, you know. They're, they're kind of bullies. It's a, it's a boy, boy, boy. Yeah, yeah. So women... For example, when I was just doing commercial real estate here in New York, it was complete boys club, like really high testosterone. It's intimidating. Mm -hmm. And I don't really want to be in that environment all the time because there's going to be things that I'm not going to relate to, sure, you sure. know, what happened the Vice night before. Yeah, yeah. 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 Right. So I think women create these groups so that they can avoid that testosterone driven environment. However, if we're only for ourselves, it's not really going to work. Not nowadays. You have It has to be even color, even sex, even everything. Sure. So I know you had a restaurant and obviously it didn't Same. work out. But tell everyone about that journey, that story. What was your vision? You know, what went wrong? And tell everyone how you regrouped from that, how you got over a potential loss or a loss. Oh, boy. <laughs> you uh, totally was that. not expecting that question. Okay, well, I had the brilliant idea of opening a restaurant because why not? <laughs> um, the creative process was amazing. 
just what type of creative um just from the design the menu the logo like i love creating so that made me realize that i what i enjoy the most is making things out of nothing and that's in every facet of yeah. life like i really just like even cooking you know when you're making something out sure, of nothing sure. so i really enjoyed that process and we took this little space it was 350 square feet it was terrible i mean it was so ugly and we made it absolutely beautiful And that process was amazing. And we brought it to a community a year too soon. Yep. And, and first to, too far. my vision was about 12 to 18 yep. months, a little too yep. soon, but it was there because now that street has become Restaurant so Row. Just so, you know, <laughs> so I always say it not to cut you off, and obviously yeah. hold that thought, hold that thought, Restaurant sure, Row. Sure, sure. Once you learn, like myself, I'm anywhere between 18 and 36 months too early. So I okay. see something at the very infancy stages, but because I have so many thoughts and ideas, I often forget that I have to give something that one and a half years to three years to get to the level I think it could be. So once you realize that, let's say you were 18 months too early, for example, that means that when you have a thought and you're the first pioneer to that market, you know that no one's going to catch up to 18 months from now. So you hmm. have to have the patience to nurture, establish, and develop that thought, theory, concept, vision. So when 18 months is up, now the market's ready for it. That's a very powerful thing that you realize that. Yeah, yeah. But now that street is Restaurant Row. And it's like, it's it propelled. And that's amazing. And God bless the people that are there now sure. and they're doing well because even through COVID, they're, they're open and they're yeah. doing business and the community supporting. Um, what did I learn from the restaurant industry? That you live there, that there are no days off, that your staff on its own is... <laughs> Tough. It's yeah. very tough, and that I loved my life very much, and I didn't want to be slave to it. So you it. loved food and cooking, but you just didn't want to own a restaurant. I didn't want to own a restaurant, so I took a big loss, and that was... Was and, it more of a financial loss or an emotional loss? I know well, you don't like losing. Yeah, well, no one likes losing, but it's, in my opinion, knowing when to cut your losses is so important in anything in life, relationship, business, you know, love, whatever it may be. You stick around for too long, it becomes worse. Yeah, yeah. So I already saw, okay, I've lost enough. I have, I can't continue doing this because I'm just going to keep on losing at this sure. point. So I decided to shut down and sell. And when I was taking down, you know, the, the restaurant, it was painful. It was letting go of a baby. Sure. It's it's definitely, sure. it took all my attention and my energy and my money and it was gone. But once it was gone, it was like, Okay, well, now we can focus on other things and, uh, you know, finish paying off the debt that was left behind. That sure. also kind of sucked because now you're, like, paying for something. It's you don't. Reminder, yeah, it's like, reminder. oh, my God, here. You know, it's, I guess it's like alimony. Yeah, <laughs> like, I guess yeah. this is what guys must feel. I'm sorry, gentlemen. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, I'm at the point where it's all finished now. And uh, it was a great experience. Even the, I, I don't see any of my failures as failures. I see them as experiences. And it moves me on to something else. What important lessons can you take away from that experience? What important lessons? That I should study the market a lot more when it comes to wanting to do something different in, in a market that doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. um, we had an amazing vision. And everyone that came there was like, wow, this belongs in Soho. It was because it was so sure, cute, sure. but just it didn't belong there just yet. Right. And I was so enamored with the idea of it that I wasn't really paying attention to would have maybe would have been better the there. business aspect. Yeah. Demographic yeah. or whatever. Whatever that was. So that was a huge lesson. And then the second one, stay in my lane. 
there was no reason for me to do a restaurant. I should have just invested that money into a multifamily. I would have already, you know, done really well with it. But, you know, so you would As painful as I just felt you having to say that because yeah. I felt you cringe when you said multifamily, right? Yeah. Let's take a step back real quick and sure. say, okay, so you made that investment. You said stay in your lane, right? Yeah. And maybe this is a message for me that I'm curious to hear your opinion and insight on so I could learn from it. So I believe growth in general is something that someone like myself and yourself are always going to look for. We could be 80 years old, hopefully not in a wheelchair. Hopefully we have all our limbs in our mind, right? We're still going to be trying that new entrepreneurial thing. I just know I'm going to be 80 years old doing that. Like, let's do this new concept. I'll call you up and like, we'll figure out a concept. But with that being said, if you stay in your lane, yes, you can succeed. You make a ton of money, right? But it's also like, should I have taken that exit? You know, what if I took that exit? What if that one time you pass on something that becomes the next big thing that someone else thinks of. So being in real estate, obviously you could lease and sell properties. Sure. You can broker properties, you could buy properties, you could do property management, whatever, mortgage mm-hmm. lending, commercial, hard money lending, you could all of these facets inside your lane because real estate takes you down so many paths. Sure. What is that what does that lane actually look like? And how do you know when to veer over to the next lane for personal and business growth? So by by stay in your lane, I mean something that I know, not necessarily just selling real estate, because that would be boring for me if yeah. that's all well, I was doing. Yeah. Uh, but like you said, there's so many aspects of it. So I'm actually working on something right now that I cannot mention. Oh but my god! Later this year. What is this here. year? I bring people on to hear yes, the secrets. No, and the secrets not time. yet. Not all yet. Right. It's too soon. I can't. We'll have you back on it, when you're ready to tell. Totally. <laughs> oh, my 100. But but it's real estate related, but in another way, in a very creative way, involving people that maybe wouldn't have access to it. Um, Especially right now that we see the way, you know, money's changing hands in a very rapid pace. A lot of money. And then money money is also changing. Money is not just paper currency anymore. It's so many different things. But this is another way. It's in your lane, but it's another creative way of doing things. You know, it's so, for example, after the restaurant, I decided, okay, I, I know real estate. I understand real estate. So let's see what I could do with real estate. So I decided to start doing uh, co-living. So I took an apartment that, that I owned and uh, remodeled it, made it beautiful. And in the market that we're in, it just worked so well because sure. we had so many transient people you know, here for a year, um, doing their masters, whatever the case may be. And then COVID hit. And so what happens to my apartment? No transient. Everyone left <laughs> yeah. because they were international sure. people. And, and then the students had to go online. Sure. So they just went back to wherever they were. And so you can't predict really life. Tough. It's tough. like, you know, it's yeah. just, you just have to like yeah. get by. And things are starting to, people are starting to now inquire again and to look at their rooms again. But... You really don't know what's gonna hit you, you know. Look, that's real. Look, yeah, look at look at the people that bought the, you know all these multifamilies within the last couple of years that thought that a five cap was a good investment, and now half of the or tenants are in pain. Airbnb, et well, Jersey City, I'm not going. Don't get me started on Airbnb. We can go, we can go down that right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Started on Airbnb. 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 The people that invested in Jersey City, going in at a legal market. They were lied to. They and were then lied to. all of a sudden, the rules change. No recourse. Hey, you can't do this the same anymore. Same guy that said, please come here. Bring New York money here. We want Airbnb. Once he got it and Jersey City was the biggest Airbnb market in the country, said we don't, we're don't, we not allowing Airbnb anymore. Think about that. Yes, I'm not, that's po- politics. And I will not go into politics because it makes me upset. Well, it's business but, though. But from a business standpoint, Horrible. it's terrible. Horrible. But 
from a from a, a, a resident standpoint, if you induce fear into people thinking you're taking away from their housing, sure. I understand the I outcome. I get the same thing. I've been on both sides. Yeah. So, yeah, but you never really know what's going to end up happening. You have to, for me now, I look at the worst case scenario, like everything. Can, yeah. can, what happens if this completely just sure. flunks and fails and I just lose everything? Yeah. Can I live with myself? Sure. Am I able to afford to lose like that? You know, is or am I not going to be crushed where I'm not going to be able to like come back? And, you know, at this point in my life, definitely can't, can't be doing those. <laughs> you can, my money's always on you for balancing back 100%. Now, I know that you were a very young mother. So mm-hmm. how old were you when you had your daughter? I was 19. Talk about that. I mean, just like the overwhelming Ooh. feelings, emotions, <laughs> process, the relationship, and then how, you know, you're looking back now that she's a young adult. Yeah. And what's that like? Uh, well, this feels like Oprah. So, dear Oprah. Chapter seven. Okay. Uh, well, at the beginning, it is like you just got this little baby doll and you're like, oh, it's real. <laughs> right? It cries a lot. Uh, it cries a lot. And then it became... Um, you know, just survival of the fittest. How can I take care of this person, yeah. right? It's it's alive, it sleeps, it eats, it all these things. And I'm just a kid and I have no clue what I'm doing with my life. I mean, who knows what they're doing at 20 years old? Sure. Or 40 or 50. Or, well, yeah, exactly. Um, and then somehow life just kicks in and you kind of get a hold of it. And it for me, it made me want to do better. I knew that I had this huge responsibility that she didn't ask to be in this world and that it was my decision that brought her in and I wanted to do right by her. And that really motivated me. I think that's definitely the entrepreneurial heart was my daughter. You think so? Yeah, definitely. Because I always wanted to do things. I'm not a good employee. I'm not really good at doing what other people tell me to do. I think like you take rules well, though. You know, like, no, you know, I mean, I understand rules. Yeah, but, yeah. like, if things don't make sense, yeah. like, I'm always questioning things. Like, why? That doesn't even make sense. Why yeah. are we doing that? Like, so, not the best employee. However, as, as an entrepreneur, it makes, because things have to be logical for me. I uh, like okay. Yeah. This makes sense. Well, we gotta move here. <laughs> exactly. Um, so she always made me wanted to do better, and it didn't matter if this wasn't working out. I would figure out a way to do something else. And when I when I went into real estate, I remember I asked her. Um, uh, I got very lucky. I've always provided well for her, and she was in private school. And uh, I told her I can. I was done with the clothing company. I told her. I can get a nine to five and uh, we'll live normal or I'm going to take off for a while. We can vacation for a year. You know, we're not going to do anything fancy for maybe the next 24 months, but it's going to take us somewhere else. So do you want to just be, you know, nine to five, I'm home to cook every day or am I okay to go work? And, you know, no vacations, like no more private school. And she's like, yeah, you need to go to work. <laughs> <laughs> get, get out there. <laughs> yeah. So I was always very honest with my daughter as far as what, what I was doing in my professional life because as women, it's almost impossible to do everything right. It's it's actually impossible. As a human. There's no women, way right. that you are 100% a mother and 100% at work. It's be. just it can't be. Something is lacking. Yeah. You always have to find the balance. So some days she had pizza, other days I cooked. And that was just the way it was. And it was okay. It was always a loving home. Yep. But there was also a lot of honesty. How and, important is that? Get into that as a parent, like being honest with your child. Oh, my God. To me, I mean, she's my friend. She's well, you guys look friend. the same age, so <laughs> I don't know if it's good for her, but, you know, yeah. good, good for you, bad for her, whatever. She's, a, she's <laughs> like, we go out, 
and people think we're like you know <laughs> cousins <laughs> but but we go out and we have a good time sure. because we're just always had this plane of honesty that there is no reason to for me to lie to her about how life is because one day she's out there on her own and if I wasn't honest people are going to take advantage of her sure. you know of her purity which is beautiful but it's good to know what the world is like too absolutely would you consider her your best friend um, or do you have like an actual best friend, like a ride or Well, guy? you know, there's things you don't talk to your children about, right? <laughs> <laughs> so yes, she's definitely we're definitely best friends on a mother daughter plane. Yes. Awesome. So, would you say that your success and where you are today in life stem directly from her? Like, if she wasn't there in your life at an early age, do you think oh you would have found your way much later on in life? I can't even imagine my life without her. I really? could I couldn't answer that. I don't know what life would be without her. Interesting. Yeah, because my when she left for college, it was like, oh my god, I've never lived alone, but Crazy. not with a partner, sure, like sure, without sure. another person, because I always had this little sure. thing with me, sure. and she was gone, and I was like, oh my god, I've I ne- I never even thought about it. Quiet. It was so quiet. It was really quiet, and I loved to learn. I loved to the quiet. I learned to love it. It became my favorite place. And when she came back from COVID, I was like, no, the quiet's gone. <laughs> I think, again, healthy balance. You know, look, I think you find out a lot about yourself when it's quiet. Yeah. You know, when you're sitting and it's only four walls around you, you have a lot of like, self-reflecting to do, which I see you got a lot into the whole self-reflecting and the routine in the COVID world. So talk to people about how COVID adapted and changed what was your routine to now what it is today. Tell everyone what your routine looks like now. Well... I happen to have gone to a 10-day silence retreat right before COVID. Oh, wow. And that was just timing. It just happened that way. I went in January. and Where was that? um, They have them all over the world, um, but this one was particularly in Delaware. And so you go to this place, and when I'm telling you there's not a word coming out of you, like there's not a peep. For 10 days? For 10 days, you don't talk to anyone. No one talks to you, except for maybe there's an hour lecture that the, the... guru gives um and uh this you have nothing to do you don't you can't read you can't write you can't like you, you can you meditate no you just meditate all the time all the time for all 10 the time. days straight for, for 10 days straight you had to start talking to, knowing you you had to start no, talking to yourself <laughs> no no you can't yeah nothing. You, know, nothing you can't talk and uh it changes your life i don't care who you are and i think the people that most need it are the people that are Definitely most, I can't ever do that. Those are the ones that are going to benefit the most. And uh, I came out of this thing, and the first week, you kind of like have to adapt again to the world because when you spend that much time quiet, just with your mind, you got to face you. So now things, you start seeing things super differently, and then COVID happened. So when COVID happened for me, it was like, oh my God, I get to not talk to anyone. This is amazing. I can be quiet. And then and, we worked on you. <laughs> and, then, yeah. and it was just, for me, I just meditated a lot. So I was actually just listening to this uh, this a doctor speaking about when COVID happened to most people, how not being able to interact was really hard. But for people that meditated hardcore, sure. it actually became a sanctuary for sure. them. So I was one of those very strange people. For me, it became a time of major creativity major 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 creativity because there were no distractions yeah, no noise. there was no noise there was like no, nothing really happening except for walking the dog that was like as much excitement as i would get a day so 
my mind just really opened and like I said I'm working on a couple other things but this was it was a very very for me beautiful time I know that's not the same for every everyone. Do you have any like I'm trying to think like, what were your like physical or mental changes or purges that you experienced for that 10-day window I can only imagine like, your body decompressing your mind probably running all over the place what was that like? Oh well at the beginning you're just like, what am I doing here? When is this going to end? <laughs> and then you're, I'm like, yeah. Oh, my God. The deal, the deal, the deal, the deal, the deal. I remember I was in the parking lot and I was like, I have to shut off the phone. And I'm trying to save a deal. Oh, yeah, my God. Yeah, and yeah. I was just like, okay, I have to let go. And then you just have to let go. And um, then you start thinking about everything that has happened in your life. I mean, things that you don't even think of like oh, yeah those shoelaces were green you know when I was five years sure. old but then it's like a purging thing I can only imagine. Yeah. it's I would say it's a major purge um and and you start understanding yourself if you're you have to be open enough to be, understand yourself and, and want to understand yourself but the most beautiful part is that you learn to love yourself unconditionally you forgive yourself for Everything that you think you've done or is done to you, um, you forgive everyone around you. You just become love. And that, to me, was the most exciting and beautiful and, and best part. And um, I started seeing beauty in everything. Like, I can see beauty in, in the tree that no one's looking at full of garbage. I see the one leaf that has an extra, I don't know, spike in it or, or something silly like that because you start... Um, seeing everything around you differently. So there's a newfound like, appreciation for life in general. Definitely. So definitely. what was the diet, like a holistic diet, like blueberries, bananas, strawberries? Like what no, was the diet? It's all like, vegan. All vegan? Yeah, yeah, it's vegan because it's non-harming. Yeah. It's not harming, so yeah. no, no, no. But you don't really even need to eat while you're there, to be honest. Like I was thinking when I do it, again, I want to do a water cleanse. Really? Because you're in such state that you're not expending any energy. That, uh, it's a, and that's supposed to be very clearing wow. for the brain, too. So we'll see. Wait, that's that's the next level. <laughs> so I'm just trying to think, like, how that must be. So, like, on day probably one through three or four was tough. Like, when am I getting out of here? When am I getting out of here? And then you went through, like, the middle transition. Now, towards the end, like, talk about, like, day eight, nine, and ten. What was that like? Um, I think for me, day seven was like, okay, I'm ready to get out of here. Gotcha. It never really gets easy. It's not like it ever gets easy. Um, because you have to go to the outside world. You know right. eventually it's going to end. Uh, but by the time you're ready to go, you kind of don't want to because you don't want to deal with it anymore. You're in such a beautiful place that you're just like, oh, I got to go deal with this now. I got to go deal with, I don't know, if you're married, your husband, your wife, your children, you know, your job, whatever, whatever circumstances you might be having. People have problems. Everyone has problems. Mm-hmm. Um, but by the time you get out of there, it's just like serendipity peace it's like i i can't really explain and then you it. your phone on and then you automatically got tense again <laughs> like, I, like, Ooh, I literally turned on the phone and called my assistant i'm like steph shout out to steph she rules my world um we'll like put her Insta- steph has instagram we'll put her instagram like right here on yeah. the video It'll be edited in so like right um here. steph steph all speaks i believe it is Perfect. um steph uh, i call her i'm like okay What's going on? <laughs> like, just tell me. High level. Yes. Oh. And she's like, well, the restaurant deal died. She's not buying it. I'm like, no. <laughs> this no is more what, That was it. <laughs> so not, nothing was sold at that point. But but for some reason, like, things stop bothering you so much. You're just like, 
mm, okay, someone else will come. Like, you know, that, and, that's, and that's exactly what happened. Someone else came. So talk about, now we're going to shift back into the real estate world. Sure. So I follow all these real estate groups. I very rarely comment, you know, unless mm-hmm. I actually can provide something of value. That's mm-hmm. kind of who I am, right? Which you probably know. So people are posting all about Zillow now and how do I get more leads and how do I get listings and how do I get my buyers offer accepted? Like these are probably the top four concerns in the real estate world mm-hmm. right now, right? Zillow, how do I get leads? How do I get listings? How do I get my clients offer accepted? So we're going to backtrack that. In this type of market that we're in, mm-hmm. what's your strategy to get your clients offer accepted on a competitive deal? You personally. Most of the time. Smile. I have the listing. <laughs> so, right. so that's not a fair question. Um, but, okay, so. okay, so right now, right now I have an, uh, an offer on a property that my, my client uh, really likes. I called the listing agent. I introduced myself. I explained the situation, obviously. I didn't just send a li- random listing to someone without saying who I was. No and pre-approval, no proof no, of No, not, no, yeah. obviously yeah. none of that. Um, and then, you know, I follow up. And at this point... I like anything in life. It's relationship based. I just it it really really is relationship based. Unless you're advising your clients to overpay for something that's not worth it, which I just don't think that's that's not worth fair. it. Yeah, fair. I don't think that's fair either. So, I would say build a relationship with the listing agent. Maybe hey, I haven't tried it, but maybe if they really like that property, give that listing agent a bottle of wine. You know, sure, send sure. them something with say, the offer. Yeah, I should have done. Now that I'm thinking about offer. it, this is a great idea. Yeah, yeah, with the offer. You know, something to make you stand out. Sure. Because otherwise you're just lost. Yeah, you're one amongst however many yeah. others. So now, I was always told, so shout out to Jennifer Manning and Harold Mandaram, the first real estate office I ever locked down in the Bronx. I didn't mean like physically locked mm-hmm. down. Like, they gave me all their business as early as 2009, which is my first year in the business. And I got that business by getting a deal closed that no one else could do. So that kind of put me in. And the guy was a legend in the industry. Again, it was 2008, 2009. He'd been around since, like, call it the early 90s. Like, they were putting a buyer in a home at this point every two days. So they were doing 180 to 200 buyer deals a year in the Bronx, which is unheard of, right? Record setting. And they always said to me, and I wasn't a realtor, but they said, you control the listings, you control the market. 100%. So how do you get your listings? Um, so I was doing this recently, the whole chart of how am I getting my business? So I will say 50% is referral based. Past clients? Past clients, people that know me, professionals, a lawyer, you know, an accountant, just my sphere of influence, period. Um, I would say 30% is from ads, meaning, yeah, social media, uh, my marketing campaigns, my newsletters, whatever the case may be, just ads. Um, And then the rest of it is from cold calling, which is my least favorite. Well, you don't have a face for cold calling. You have a face for meeting people. (laughs) So how does that work? I mean, it's kind of not what you're here for, right? Like, you're not here for cold calling, right? You're here to meet people in person, feel your energy. Hi, how are you? Like, if you cold call me, okay, you're a dime a dozen. If I see you in person, feel your energy, see your smile, hear your thoughts, you know, analyze your brain, I'm more likely going to do business with you. That's how I am. So is it tough for you to cold call? Um, When I first started, I really started cold calling maybe like three years ago. I used to shake. Like I would physically 
hate it. My, bo- my body yeah. hated it. <laughs> Hated it. Because you hadn't done it or you knew it wasn't for you? I just hated the idea of cold calling. People are mean. But these are all stories that I'm creating in my head. Now that I forced, but I forced myself to do this for like like six months. I would get up and it was the first thing I did. Cold By 7.30 in the morning till 9 a.m. Every day, every day, every day, I cold called. And the fear is now is gone. Now I can call pretty much anyone at this point. And now I'm I'm really doing a lot of, uh, uh, I'm always studying, I'm always learning, I love, I love I'm very curious, yeah. I'm always learning something. Yeah. So now I'm really learning uh, empathy, you know, uh, just people's psychology, you know, how to listen, which is active listening, which is really hard to do. You're not there to talk, you're there to listen. Sure, that's why I think this experience is so valuable from a podcast standpoint, right? Like you said yesterday, what are we gonna talk about? I'm like, I don't know. People think I'm joking. I'm like, no, no, I really don't know. He did not tell me what we were talking about. We still don't know. We we, we just don't know where this is going to go. But I also think that in today's world, like, yes, I'm like obviously watching the Instagram live and seeing who's joining and see if there's any comments or questions being asked, right? So, like, that's kind of here. But when do you actually get to sit down for, let's just call it an hour with somebody and have a one on one, honest, real conversation, no pressure, nowhere to run to in New York City? You know, you really don't. Like, I know I'm like a 15, 20-minute guy in and out, have a quick meeting, coffee, yeah, breakfast, yeah. whatever, keep it moving. But, like, this is a one-on-one locked-in engagement to help people better themselves. Yeah. This is how friends become friends when they're listening. Right. You're friends with people that listen. Correct. That's so – This it's you're creating relationships. And in any business, especially now, where you can't have the one-on-ones in person or you choose not to, sure. you know, whatever your case is, sure. it's that relationship that you're going to maybe have over the phone. When – COVID first started, I called everyone. I mean, everyone. I didn't call to say, ask for absolutely anything. I just called to say hello. Because you wanted to? Well, because I wanted to, because I wanted to stay busy, because I can't stay still. I can't, like, what do I do? What do I do? <laughs> and because people, number one, I did want to know how people were doing. And number two, this is, this is how you foster relationships. This is how you become the person in someone's mind because you did call, you know, because you did reach out for no reason whatsoever, just to say hello. So I feel like in today's world, you know, obviously we have FaceTime, right? Sure. Like on the phone, but still virtual and digital, right? Sure. So it's really not FaceTime. It's more like virtual FaceTime, right? Sure. So at what point do people get back to this one-on-one real FaceTime where you're able to feel the energy, where you're able to actually commit to a set time to establish that relationship. Because I know, I don't care who it is, whether it's my mother, my son, a client, I don't care if it's a $10 million deal. Like, you can call me up. You're probably doing something else and I'm probably doing something else. Let's just say it is what it is. Like, you're rambling, I'm rambling. Like, you don't pick up what I say. I don't pick up what you say. (laughs) You know, my son's tugging on me, like, whatever. It's not the same. No. So, at what point does the world say, you know what, we have to get back to this or do we not ever get back to this? No, that's impossible. You think? It's impossible. You can't. Why would you want to live your life that way? That's I, I don't think that's healthy I, for, I agree. for yeah, our absolutely. minds or even for our spirits where sure. we are social creatures. Uh, I mean, if that's the way some people want to live, that's totally fine. I totally respect it. We can Zoom all you want. But sure. for me, I definitely don't want to live like that. Um, I mean, everyone has their different opinions as to how fast things are going to go back to normal, mm-hmm. whatever that is. Um, but I... What I'm seeing now is that people are becoming more comfortable with meeting. You know, sure. they're not 
going to tight spaces full of 100 people, but they are becoming more comfortable with, with having a meeting, having a coffee, seeing people, sure. um, you know, within reason. I, it, I don't think you can avoid the human connection, <laughs> impossible. Interesting. So as far as generating leads, how do you generate leads at no cost? And then the leads that you do when you run ads and stuff, sure. what is an approximate cost you put on that or budget that you allow monthly? And do you ever increase or decrease that budget? Sure. I don't do online leads. Um, I, I, my experience is, is just not. Trash. It, yeah, it's just, I'll say it's, it for you. I'll just say lady like, yeah, yeah. I'll be the aggressive It's male. trash, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. But Zillow has a business for a reason. And then I, if you work these leads hard enough, they will convert. It's just not the type of environment I want to work in. I prefer to put my money into my marketing. I love doing video. I love talking about the city Fun, right? I live in. I love meeting the business owners. Um, Has that gotten you any business? Yeah, of course. Of course. It gets me business, and I love doing it as well. And now when I go into a business that I did a video for, yeah. they're so happy to see me. Of course. They're like, oh, my God, how are you? You know, because and this is this – is, I'm paying for all of this. Of course. I'm not trying to be, you know, an influencer, none of that. It's it's Being you. Yeah, I'm showing people the city I live in, yep. what's there that they might not know about, what's cool about it. And it's oh yeah, and it's always keeping our creative juices flowing because so we we have the saying in my office, real estate might be boring, but we're not. So <laughs> what are we going to do? Like like <laughs> okay, what are we going to do to keep it fresh because it, you know, it can get stale sure. and I definitely don't want to be, you know, the, the lady that everyone knows that just did real estate. You know, there has to be something more. There has to be also a community component to it. Um, my next facet is really I'm working on something to give back to the community, which we're in the process of putting all these things together. Sure. But that's really important to me because, um, you know, we, we make good livings. If if you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, you make a decent, decent living. And I see so many things that are amazing about real estate, mm -hmm. but then so many things that maybe are not, and we don't really address those as much. It's like the and, elephant in the room. Yeah, but everyone knows it's there because mm -hmm. it's an elephant. Mm -hmm. So I've decided that we as a group should be helping these people that are affected by all these changes in communities. And it's the right thing to do. And if you do well, good things happen back. They just come back. It has to. Yeah. So back to number one now. So Zillow, obviously Zillow, Zillow deceived everybody, lied to everybody, uh, hurt people and their business models and their pockets, right? Sure. What's your take on it? You know, where do you see the future of real estate going? Uh, I think real estate is, a, you know, there's different facets of business, right? Like infancy stages sure. and then uh, teenage and then adult. We're in the senior citizen phase. And if you think real estate's not going to change, nice. eh, you're wrong. It has to because it's just been around the same way for too long. Since and the 80s. If you're, yeah, it's, it's a long time. And now the big companies, the tech companies, have realized how profitable it is because sure. everyone needs a place to live in. Sure. So it's just going to keep on getting disrupted, changed, whatever you want to call it. It's not going to stop. So you, we see all these trends, right? It's like, oh, everyone's a team. Everyone's a group. You can't do it alone. You know, it's whatever you, you think it is, but it's just it's not going to work the same way it did before. Sure. So for me, I think Zillow saw an opportunity. Yep. Uh, it was actually brilliant. If you look at it from a business standpoint, I they, think it was very smart. They got someone else to fund their entire billion-dollar mm -hmm. business. Correct. They had realtors to fund the business, and then they cut them out. 
That's so here we are. However, people do know that yep. Zillow is not the most trusted source. They also have that. Uh, uh, sure. You know, that's also their legacy. They're not the most trusted source with anyone, not with the owners, not with yep. the buyers, yep. and definitely not with the agents. So that's not also a good legacy to have. Yep. Um, but I do think we're going to keep on seeing changes. And the way that uh, you're going to stay ahead is to be community oriented. Because, local. yeah, local. local I mean, not that you only have to be local. You right. can have other people work in other areas, but people have to know you. People have to know you on a – and some people have, you know, very international-level uh, businesses, but they're local within that sure. that community. Sure. They So it really is about fostering your relationships. So who's somebody that should reach out to you in particular for your services? Is it – Person looking to sell, person looking to rent, person who look to move to Jersey City, person sure. whose parent live in Jersey City. Like, what do you want from a client standpoint? Um, so I mostly work with people that are obviously looking to sell their properties, but I work with a lot of investors, um, not so much with first first time home buyers. Mm-hmm. Um, with the investor side of it, because I just get it. I get the numbers side of it, you know, it's do the numbers make sense, do they not? Sometimes they don't make sense, but you have to spend the money. (laughs) So so that comes at 1031. So there's so many different uh, uh, ways of looking at a deal. And so I think now within the next year, we're going to see so much inventory come. Oh, yeah, I think so. Um, so right now you'd want people who want to invest in New Jersey real estate. For yeah, example. invest. Um, I work with um, developers that are you know looking to build or multifamilies uh, that are looking you know to get into that. Um, I work with a lot of people from New York that are com- that been coming to Jersey for a while, but we but it doesn't have to be an investor at a huge scale. I um, it could be an investor looking for a two or three family. Sure. You know, but it's just a different transaction than dealing with the first time home buyer. Awesome. Yeah. So I appreciate you coming on the show for everyone yeah. that needs to move to New Jersey or sell a property in Jersey City, Hoboken, surrounding areas, yeah. obviously. Northern New, Northern New Jersey. Northern New Jersey. Her Instagram is going to be right here. Like, not right here, but like, you know, my <laughs> video guy, Ryan, will edit it in. Really pretty right here. Okay. Um, so I appreciate you coming on the show. Hopefully, everyone learned a lot about you. Hopefully, everyone goes and follows you. Hopefully, you get business from this. But oh, I know I appreciate you. and respect the heck out of you as a friend, personal business. Um, and I'm really excited to see what you do this year. So thank thanks for coming you. on the show. Thank Hopefully we'll have you back me. again when you have your new project coming out. Yes, yes. Awesome. we'll be back. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. <laughs> Bye.